horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, things, uh, a lot of things have changed over the p- past week or so, and uh, we'll just ride the wave. But uh, anyhow, I hope you're all doing well. Huge weekend at Gulfstream Park, particularly Saturday, of course. Um, seven, count them, seven graded stakes races. And... Um, <clears throat> We it was hard to pick the, the three, so I just kind of went to the two grade ones, and there's only one grade two. The rest of them uh, are, are grade threes. Um, of course, the granddaddy of them all, the Pegasus World Cup Invitational, will be the twelfth race. Uh, it's gonna air at uh, oh about quarter to six on Saturday, and uh, that's Eastern time, and. Uh, it, it, a lot of years in the past, you, you had a, a big horse in there that had a target on its back. That is not the case this year. It's pretty wide open. This would be a great opportunity to pull down your easy wind forms because uh, what a day. And there are very few singles on the card. As soon as you think you found one, you find another, which also means there could be some great betting opportunities. Well, uh, in the Pegasus World Cup Invitational, I believe the uh, the tepid favorite right now is uh, Nick's Go. And right behind him is Tax. Now, um, what is interesting, and I'll, I'll discuss this with Tom Law, who's going to be our guest handicapper, and uh, mentioned this with Eric Wing last week, that uh, the, the the graded races at the uh, Stronach tracks um, uh, no longer let you run on Lasix. So you've got, obviously, especially some of these races that have the older horses, horses that have run pretty much most of their career on Lasix, will come off. And how that impacts your handicapping, I don't know. But there are some legit horses um, at some really good odds. And uh, so uh, it, it'll be fun to find out who Tom has. And, uh, again, we'll – want to find out what the sheets say as far as easy win is concerned but anyhow the the pegasus grade one three million dollars on the line it's a mile and an eighth which at Gulfstream is a very quick run to the first turn and that could cause some problems for uh, a horse like code of honor uh, that drew towards the outside. Uh, uh, tax is kind of out there, not too bad. One, three, four, five, six, seven posts out of the 12. Um, but uh, he, he has the, the speed to, to get a good place where he wants to go. But anyhow, so th- that'll be the main race on Saturday. Again, seven graded races. The other grade one is the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational. And this one worth a tidy one 
million dollars. And um, again, uh, the favorite will probably be about seven to two. Uh, and there are so many nice horses that you're going to be able to put underneath in the trifectas, superfectas, exactas, whatever you like to play. Uh, but again, this will be uh, a mile three sixteenth on the turf, the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational. And then the third race with handicap is uh, unique seven furlongs. The inside information, it's a grade two carrying a $200,000 purse so that's what we've got on deck for our handicapping uh portion of the show and uh so again i already tipped my hand our friend tom law will be with us as as our guest handicapper um but our first guest uh is going to be wendy davis you may not know the name she's not that high profile but man she has been so active in racing over the years uh i i met her uh out in um, Tucson, when we used to go to the racetrack industry, uh, uh, the, the racing symposium that was that was held out there uh, was just a fantastic event. Make had great speakers every year. Got to host the uh, Mark Kaufman TPA workshop two years in a row, um, and uh, so I'm interested in not you know dwelling on her years there, but uh, she's still involved. Uh, she just recently retired. Uh, she's still involved in, in uh, racing as far as the Racing Officials Accreditation Program and the American Quarter Horse Association's Youth Program. And uh, so Wendy Davis will be our first guest. Now, um, we want to take a look at some of our results from the Easy Wind Forms last week. As always, some successful ones. Let's look at one that happened yesterday at Charlestown. A little out of the way, so even a better reason to pull down the Easy Wind Forms. Uh, in race seven yesterday, a $1 Super uh, brought home uh, $1,927. We had a huge day on the 16th. One, two, three, four top winners. I'll just pull a few of them out. Uh, two of them at Gulfstream, a uh, super high five that paid $2,200, and a 50 cent super five key that paid $2,622. you are going to need the easy win forms this week, folks. I guarantee that. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, look at some of the news of the week. Uh, Bellamy Road, uh, multiple graded stakes winner, though he didn't run in. He didn't have an extended career, but he did win two graded stakes. I was there for his first one, which was uh, the Miller Genuine Draft Cradle Stakes at River Downs. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, he went on to become a, a millionaire, but I was there for the early days. That's right, sonny boy, let me tell you. But anyway, I got to share this story with you. So, anyhow, Bellamy Road wins uh, the, the cradle. So, well, when the horse shows up, I'm, you know, he's pretty well known, good connections, owned by George Steinbrenner, trained by Michael Dickinson. So I go back to get some PR photos to put a release out. This is at River Downs. And uh, 
I go back there, and there's a, a patch of grass on the concrete along the shed row. Um, we did have a grazing area on the far, the north side of the of the barns, but here was a Michael Dickinson brought his own turf. <laughs> And laid it down. It was about, I don't know, 15 by 15, something like that. And he could bring Bellamy Road out, or the groom could bring Bellamy Road out, and graze strictly on the grass imported by Michael Dickinson. Of course, he got his uh, his uh, nightly uh, Guinness. And on the horse trailer was his own private natural water supply. So uh, the... Uh, <laughs> After he wins the race, then he goes on as a three-year-old, has a huge wood memorial, wins by 17 and a half. So we start powering up the, the PR machine there. And I made T-shirts with Bellamy Road's picture on it and I had bumper stickers made. The road to the Derby goes through the cradle stakes. And uh, you know, we're, getting, we're passing them, getting ready to pass them out to the public. And somebody came by, he goes, uh, John, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Steinbrenner is big on his copyrights, and uh, did you get his permission for this? Well, you know, I'm, I'm from the school of it's better to seek forgiveness than permission. Well, immediately I hustled up. I got like two dozen bumper stickers, dozen T-shirts, packed them up, FedExed them off to Steinbrenner uh, at the address, and, and uh, with, with the letters, you know, Saying, "Hey, we're 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 a big support of you. Um, you. You know, we'll be rooting you on the Derby. Thanks for coming uh, to the Cradle Stakes." <laughs> so, I, uh, I I send him a uh, that letter and the package. You know, and I said, "I hope you really like the enclosed." And about a week later, I get a letter at the office, and it's got a Yankees logo on it. And I and I open it up, and it said, "Dear Mister Engelhart." I did not like the Bellamy Road T-shirts and bumper stickers. I loved them. Thanks for your support. We appreciate it. We hope we'll be back in the cradle. And it was a, signed by George Steinbrenner. I was like, ooh, that, that could have been a close one. All right, let me power through some news here real quick uh, in addition to that story. But anyhow, Bellamy Road, if you want to see him, he now resides at Old Friends Farm in Georgetown, Kentucky. All right, a, a stakes double for a guy that's been on this show many times. Brian Hernandez, he gets Jockey of the Week hours and uh, honors, and you will be hearing about two of the races he won uh, a little bit later when I do some results. Um, and uh, Oak Lawn is going to start. Uh, their, their meet's going to get uh, underway uh, tomorrow, which is the 22nd. And they're going to race through May 1st. Of course, they're going to start out with limited uh, uh, people there. But the new thing is the hotel is being built and almost finished. And you can get a room that overlooks the track. You can bet from your room. And you can get up and watch the morning workouts and have a cup of coffee every day. So Oaklawn Park, just a great thing. But do remember that the uh, – uh, Lasix will be prohibited in any three-year-old stakes race that gives points towards the Derby uh, and the Oaks. And they have quite a few of them. So uh, that is the uh, only Lasix restriction is for the points, uh, uh, the Kentucky Derby points races. And Florent Giroux is moving his tack uh, 
back to Oaklawn Park. Uh, he'll be leaving the fairgrounds because Brad Cox said, hey, buddy, you come down to the fairgrounds and you got first call on my horses. And who would want to be riding first call for Brad Cox right now as hot as he is? All right. Well, that's a look at the national news, a little tease for my guest. And the first guest coming up is the newly crowned president of the Turf Publicists of America, none other than Wendy Davis. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. Alright, and with me is Wendy Davis uh, I didn't give you her full full bio, but uh, I did tell you some of the things that that, that she does. I, I knew her through her um, her association with the uh, racetrack industry program, of who she worked for for thirty years, and now she she's uh, she's backed away from that position, uh, but she's still staying uh, tuned in uh, with racing uh, as. Uh, uh, the uh, coordination and conduct of the Racing Officials Accreditation Program and uh, the American Quarter Horse Association's Youth Program and something I'm going to get into a little later on, the president of the historic Mountain Oyster Club, <laughs> Wendy Davis. <laughs> Welcome to Winning Ponies. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. This is really a treat. Oh, so happy to. Well, you know, we got, uh, uh, you know, president of the Turf Publish America. It's a, it's a, it's a very esteemed group. Last week, I had a former president on, uh, Eric Wing, 
who uh, passed the baton to me back in 2009. Uh, I've, this week I was on the phone with Dan Metzger. Uh, he, he's a past president. Uh, there have been some great people involved in the Turf Public of America. And, hey, I'm going to stop. To tell people what the TPA is, what they represent, and what we like to do. Well, that's um, short for the Turf Publicists of America, and basically it's a group of of the people who are really the most passionate, and and they're the frontline folks who share racing with the public, whether um, they represent a racetrack or some area of the industry where where the the publicity, the PR, the marketing for racing is is the most important. There's about a, 130 members right now, and it's, it's one of those groups that is so rewarding to be, uh, to be a part of because, as, as you said, John, you, you look through the list of past presidents, and they are really the who's who who've, who've promoted racing through the years. And something that, that I was really unaware of until I got more involved was that Turf Publicist has been around since 1951. That's and so right. This is and a, yeah, tr- a tremendous history and those who's who names of yesteryear. And that's really, that's really, um, you know, it's really an honor to, to follow in those footsteps, especially, especially that guy who did it from 2009 and 2010 named uh, Engelhart. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I want to know something. He wasn't the first guy from River Downs to hold the position. The very first president was Horace Wade. Now, Horace Wade was the racing secretary at River Downs, but he was also an author of several books. Uh, very well-known uh, individual. I, I, you know, I was doing the same thing. I was doing a little history of the different people. I was like, Horace Wade, I know who he is. I've got old black and white photos of him someplace. <laughs> now, uh, um, so th- these are the people that are boots on the ground. Now, we're not to be confused with the National Turf Riders and Broadcasters, but they're, we're kind of like a, a brother-sister organization. We've kind of teamed up. Uh, one of the most invaluable publications that I have in my library is the uh, annual directory that we put out in tandem with the NTWAB. It's it's not only a, a you know membership list, but it's how do you get a hold of, um, you, you know, this publication, that publication, this track, this, that track, who's the key person, who do I need to talk to if I want to do an interview? Um, it, it, it's a fantastic publication. And uh, and also, the TPA, we always get national recognition uh, for two things. On top of mind is the Big Sport of Turfdom Award. And again... absolutely. You go back through that history, Wendy, pretty awesome, the people that have been graced with that award. It is, and it is a long list, writers, trainers, um, people from all all walks of the industry, but those who made the, the, the contributions to enhance the coverage of thoroughbred racing and those who interact with the media. Yeah, and I think that's what's really so important as we, you know, look at the end of the year 
at the at the the nominees, and the, um, all the nominees come from members of the TPA. And you look at 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 the list, and it's an incredible list, and and everyone is is um, at the top of their field in whatever it is within racing. But it really uh, makes a difference if they interact well with the media because at the end of the day, I think we we understand this more and more that getting our message out and having the public understand horse racing is is really uh, one of the most important things we can do now, especially with the reduction in numbers of professional um, PR folks at the racetracks and marketing, you know, it's, uh, we see those numbers declining. The, the coverage, obviously, the, probably preaching to the choir here, the coverage in, in uh, newspapers, et cetera. So it's really important that all of us in racing, we all promote racing. And, and we need to, to encourage those folks to talk to the people who can help get those good stories out there. <clears throat> In fact, yeah, I know that was a, a topic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, this year's winner uh, uh, was none other than Tom Amos. Of course, Tom gets to see both sides of it because he's also a broadcaster in racing. So mm-hmm. as much as he's, not, as he's an outstanding trainer, uh, he he still makes time in his schedule to do on-air spots with, with TVG. And, and, and you know what, Wendy, I don't know if you caught it or not. Of course, I you know, with this COVID stuff, um, I, I was actually in quarantine at the time. Nothing happened, no symptoms, no nothing. <laughs> I think it was a bad test. Anyhow, was... <clears throat> Uh, Tom Amos won it, and the news had just gotten out. I think I read a release online or whatever. And I look up, and there is Tom Amos doing an interview on TVG about what an honor it was. It was fantastic. He went on for 10 minutes, Wendy. It was great. It's that that was amazing. And, uh, and, and choreographing that was... Um, was was fun to do, and I have to thank um, the the other officers at the time that they made that happen because you know usually that announcement uh, comes out, but it's not a surprise, and that that person is awarded the um, the the trophy at the annual Global Symposium on Racing during the awards luncheon, but they're well aware of it because they're traveling to accept the award. But in this case, again, because of all the COVID and, and uh, the, the, the cancellation or, or just um, waiting till next year to, to hold the symposium, what did we do? And, and having it as a, as Somewhat of a surprise, I thought was just was marvelous, and everybody worked together and did a great job to to pull that off. And I thought it it worked beautifully. Now we're talking about the Big Sport of Turfdom Award that is uh, basically created by the Turf Publicists of America. I think another great thing uh, that the TPA does. Uh, or I hope we get back to doing it at the Symposium for Racing, is the Mark Kaufman workshop was always one of the best attended workshops of that whole 
symposium. Um, I was uh, I, I had to host it for two years, and um, it it was uh, it was just amazing. I mean, the room was packed, and, and, and I looked down and and sitting down in the front row is the president of Keeneland, <laughs> Nick Nicholson at the time. You know, I'm like, boy, this this Mark Kaufman workshop isn't taken lightly. Isn't, and isn't that wonderful? And and the TPA comes up. The the officers come up with the with the um, the topics each year. And and at the racetrack program, we we were just thrilled to um, to host it and to work with TPA because so many interesting people were brought in. Whether it was in a true workshop fashion, I remember some very early on. That were that was working with the media. What do you know? My gosh, everything old is new again, and now we're back to you know how do you how do you talk to the media? Doing some media training. Um, we had Bob Baffert doing just a, sitting there, a sort of the fireside chat. But I was thinking about one that was my very favorite that. No one wanted to end. In fact, we pushed and pushed and pushed on our on our time deadlines as much <laughs> as possible. So just imagine sitting in a room and there's two people up front and it's Tim Layden and Bill Knack talking wow. about what they've seen and the stories they've written about horse racing. Yes. It was, I mean... Oh, it, it was just amazing. There were no words, and and no one wanted it to end, and you know, no one wanted to leave the room. That we could barely get them out, <laughs> even when it was time to go, because it was, it was just, it was truly amazing. You know, you just, you just couldn't, um, you you couldn't let go because each story was better than the one before, and oh. isn't that what? The, the publicists of racing should do is bring exactly. out those great stories. Exactly. And, and I sat through some great ones and I won't go into it, but we, we had some marvelous, marvelous uh, uh, people uh, that, that would come and participate. <clears throat> I know I'm starting to run short on time and I'm going to have to have you back, Wendy, because I got way I'd love, too love much. to come back. Way too many questions to ask you because we really got to get in. You know, I mean, for 30 years, you're a faculty member of the racetrack industry program. But there's one question I got to ask you in reading your bio. <laughs> what is, you are the president of the historic Mountain Oyster Club. The only time uh -huh. I had a Mountain Oyster was when I was out at the symposium at Tucson. Can you tell me what the Mountain Oyster Club is? Uh, well, this is a very, as it says, a very historic club that was started by Jack Goodman and some of his buddies in the 40s. Now, Jack is also the same person who was uh, really the, the, the driving force behind the creation of the racetrack industry program. So there's a tie there. But wow. Jack, Jack uh, was a, uh, a Westerner. He loved Western art. He embraced the Western lifestyle. And this was a club back in the day where the cowboys and the ranchers could come in with cow stuff on their boots. And, and it, it was expected. It was a place when you came into town that you could hang out. And some still think it's a it's a men's only club, but 
um, as you can see, they do let women in, and, and <laughs> I, I am not the only one, but I tell you, it's a true honor because the other um, social or business clubs that were in Tucson at the time have long since passed, and the Mountain Oyster Club is still is still alive and well, supporting the Western lifestyle and agriculture. And, and, you know, part of the Western lifestyle are mountain oysters, and they are proudly served at every social function. Can you please educate the audience as to what uh, mountain oysters are? Yeah. Since I don't recall any <laughs> uh, large sea area in, in Tucson. <laughs> right. Well, some people call them calf fries. But they are the remnants when a small bull turns into a steer. So um, it is that part of the anatomy. They are actually quite tasty, um, served with cocktail sauce. <laughs> and and uh, you will get some very strange looks when you encourage people to try them for the first time. I always have my camera ready because they grimace before they try it. And as soon as they try it, they say, well, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> no, no, they were great. And to get back to your uh, historic, uh, you know, uh, uh, talking about th this club, I, I remember I, I was uh, – Maybe it was the night we were having the Mountain Oysters, and all of a sudden, there was kind of a back room. It was like a barbecue place and stuff like that. It was huge. Um, and this back room filled up with all of these uh, uh, black gentlemen, and they were the Buffalo Soldiers Club. Oh, absolutely. We had uh, the Buffalo Soldiers here in southern Arizona, and it was a black reg an all-black regiment. And um, they spent a lot of time here, so they have the folks who do the reenactments. Yeah, it, it was fantastic because I, I went and asked them. I'm like, who are you guys? And then, they, you know, they told me, you know, they're very friendly and stuff. But, you know, it was just a strange thing to see, you know, uh, 30 guys showed up and, you know, uh, uniform. And the fact that they were all black was kind of unique. Uh, but uh, and I did a little research. Now I know what a Buffalo soldier is. But. Wendy, I don't know where 20 minutes just went, but my producer's telling me, John, they went. So listen, I'm putting, <laughs> you, on, I'm putting you on things to do list, okay, because there's still a lot of things we didn't get into. I mean, for 30 years, if you were at the racetrack industry program, uh, you got to see the, the, the early days and the changes, and you were a big part of it. And I, I just want to tell our audience that, hey – the program is still up and alive and well, and I won't even start to list the graduates because <laughs> the show's only an hour long, but it, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. And you were a very, very big part of the growth of that program, and you you were a pleasure uh, to meet, and uh, you were a pleasure to talk to this evening, Wendy. Well, I'd, I'd love to join you again, and, and certainly I agree the racetrack industry program it's just a fantastic place. Um, it's it's the, um, the 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 place where people come again who are passionate about the industry. So it's a joy to go to work there every day. 
Well, it was a joy to talk to you. Uh, don't stay too busy during your, uh, quote, retirement years, but uh, um, I've had a taste of it, and I highly recommend it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wendy Davis uh, just joined us, ladies and gentlemen, and it won't be the last time. Uh, coming up, a guy that has joined us a lot, and that is none other than Saratoga's Tom Law. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, it's a daily double of sorts here on Winning Ponies tonight because we not only had the president of the Turf Publicists of America, but now we have the president of the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters. And they love him so much that they elected him to an extended term tom law how are you john i'm doing great thanks for that introduction and yeah uh was fortunate enough to get uh re-elected for another two years uh, term at the national turf riders president my second uh tour of duty actually i was president from 06 to 2011 and then uh back again a little more than two years ago so it's good to be uh good to be on board again you know, I'm just doing a quick little check here. Page 86. There's your lovely picture. Um, <laughs> y- y- yeah, I mean, holy cow. 
I don't know if anybody, yeah. shall, shall I say, <laughs> served more time than you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever done, uh, nobody had ever done more than two terms uh, before I did three. Uh, so I did six years the first time, and then also nobody's ever come back to do it again uh, until I did that again as well. So I don't know if I'm a, uh, in demand or am I just a glutton for punishment, uh, maybe a little bit of both. But uh, here, here we are. No, I think it's because you're that good. You know, uh, we, we name dropped some uh, past presidents of the TPA and uh, past presidents of the uh, – uh, we've changed the name. I'm just going to say Turf Riders of America. You know, started yeah. out started out with, uh, y- y- you know, Joe Hirsch, you know, yeah. uh, moved up to, you know, Bill Leggett. Billy Reed, Jay Privman, Jenny Reese, uh, uh, Gary West, and uh, well, then I start naming all the people that I still hang out with. So, but uh, yeah, no, exactly. Tom, that, that that's a great honor. Congratulations! You you really have the support of your membership. Well, it's uh, it means a lot, and uh, you know when we it, it all came about the the second time around. Um. You know, we were in the mid- Alicia Hughes, who did a great job, a former colleague of mine, and I know a friend of yours, um, you know, did a great job when she was at the Blood Horse, and uh, now she's kind of worked for the NTRA, and she was, you know, she was kind of ready to pass the torch, and I was on the board at the time, and, uh, you know, we just got to kicking around who we were going to consider, and, you know, I, I, they came for me, time for me to talk, and I just started talking and about the candidate, and this is the kind of person it should be, and here's who, here's what their credentials should be and da, 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 da. And I, I remember my uh, former colleague and, and friend of mine, Frank Angst, uh, another friend of yours. I know he's on, he's on the show recently. He, uh, yeah. he was like, Hey Tom, it kind of sounds like you. <laughs> you know, and I, <laughs> I think you just talked yourself into a job, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I really <laughs> wasn't. You wanted it was or funny not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was talking to the Clancy's that very same day and I told him I was getting ready to have the meeting and, we were trying to figure out who the president was, and and then and then of course, lo and behold, we had that. I had that conference call, and then I went back into the into the office and told Sean and Joe, I was like, "Well, I'm gonna. It looks like I'm gonna be the president." <laughs> and they were like, "Oh boy, how'd you get roped into that again?" I said, "Ah, it's not getting roped in. It's uh, it's all good. It's uh, I guess a labor of love. So it's um, it is, and you know." I- our, our two organizations are really, uh, we dovetail each other, uh, the Turf Publicists yeah. of America and the uh, National Turf Writers. And I'm glad that several years ago you included and broadcasters, because let's face it, we're, we're, we're moving into a new era. And, right. you, you yeah. know, those guys who work for a lot of the television outlets are every bit as important as the writers, especially since, Tom, we're historically being handcuffed now because papers are dwindling and it's like and i've always tried to tell people there's a big difference between a reporter and a writer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. absolutely oh for sure and you know a lot of tv reporters are you know reporters and a lot of turf writers are are both reporters you know and writers so uh but yeah i was glad to expand that, that came about on my first uh, go around with the organization. And, uh, you know, we had about a hundred and uh, close to 160 members right now. Uh, and I would say maybe about, uh, 10 to 
20% of those are broadcasters. Uh, that number increases every year. It feels like uh, when we when we have new member applications that come about uh, in the spring and the fall, there's always maybe four or five new applicant members, which is a good sign that people are joining the organization that are qualified doing different things. And, you know, usually three or four of those five are broadcasters. So that's uh, that's been a positive, a real step in the right direction. You know, we got all the folks from TVG on board and uh, some other guys that are on the radio, uh, guys like you that are on the radio, like Mike Penna and some other some other folks, uh, Steve Bick, people that do that do radio shows very similar to yours. Well, I, I think it's I think it's good that we expand as much as we can because let's face it, you know, uh, if we don't shout from the mountaintop, nobody is. Meanwhile. We we can have, do just do a whole segment on the National Turf Riders and Broadcast Association. Let's get on to some handicapping because what a Saturday at Gulfstream. Um, seven graded stakes races. I had to pare them down, so I just went uh, through to the graded ones. Of course, the the, the one race none of us are going to want to miss are, are the Pegasus World Cup Invitational. $3 million there at Gulfstream mm. Park. But, and I'm telling you, a lot of times there'll be a horse like Arrowgate or somebody that has a bullet on his back. These races we're going to look at uh, are, are, in my opinion, very wide open. And I think even the favorite may go off at four to one. Yeah, they're tough. I mean, these, uh, you know, the, the, the World Cup dirt race and then the turf race. Uh, real puzzlers. I think, you know, like you said, in the, in the past, we had Gunrunner, Arrogate, you know, California Chrome was in it one year and uh, City of Light was in two years ago. And then last year was kind of like a real mixed bag. You know, I think it was, you know, maybe down a little bit. Um, you know, they had a 10 horse field in there. You had uh, a horse named Mr. Freeze who's running in this race. He was seven to one. He finished second in there last year. Um, yeah. On Saturday, he's probably going to be twenty to one. So that just goes to show you that the field's probably a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, his form was probably a little bit better maybe last year than it is this year. Thus, his inflated odds. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a cool, um, interesting uh, c- collection and cast of characters. I I wish I was going to be there. If uh, I went, I went to last year's. Um, event. It's always it was always like right after the Eclipse Awards, which I used to always attend as well. Uh, right. Prior to everything going uh, virtual and everything, so I was at the was actually the last um, work trip I made uh, last year, not counting uh, day trips down downstate to Belmont Park. So, you know, I, I look back at it now. It's in some ways it's hard to believe it was only a year ago, but in other ways it's, it feels like an eternity ago. But uh, it was, well, it's always a fun day at the races, and like you said, just a, a loaded card. And and I think the World Cup itself is a, is a tough one. Absolutely, and quite frankly, in years this year, more than any, I mean, we're talking about musical stalls, not musical chairs. Uh, We've had uh, horses that were scheduled to run in it, uh, leave to go to retirement. Uh, Some have had an injury that won't get them to the race on time. Uh, Other ones are looking at the options uh, in Dubai. So it's really a mixed bag of horses. The other thing is this, Tom, and this may shorten our handicapping segment, but um, I think what's going to make handicapping this year uh, very challenging is the code word, um, is the fact that there's 
so many races that horses are not allowed to run with Lasix, and this is one mm-hmm, of them. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? Because this one's got older horses who pretty much throughout their career, um, you know, ha- have run on Lasix, and now you're asking them not to. I mean, I, I think uh, that fact kind of upped the odds for uh, Midnight Bourbon, who won the LeCompte last week, because he's never raced on Lasix and then ended up winning it. Whereas a lot mm-hmm. of the horses who, who won their last race, first time Lasix, had to come off it and didn't fire. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely going to be a big factor. And, you know, I, I guess all we can. All we can use is history as our guide, and we don't really have that history uh, because, like you said, these are older horses. They've, they've all run on it. When you look at the form, uh, you can really only find two horses. Three, two, yeah, I find three horses on here that don't show uh, that show races that they ran in without Lasix. Mister Freeze being one of them. He ran in the World Cup last year, finished second without Lasix. Uh, last Judgment, the number nine, who's kind of a long shot. He won at Gulfstream last time in the uh, Sunshine Millions Classic last weekend, uh, he won easily without Lasix. And, and another horse, Tax, he ran off Lasix uh, in last year's World Cup as well. And you can go all the way back to his two-year-old season when he ran, uh, he didn't run on Lasix at Keeneland when he was claimed. So, um, yeah, we don't have, we have nothing to go off of. And you just got to, which, you know, you like to say, you know, like when you have factors like, sloppy tracks and uh, really fast tracks or really hot days or really cold days. Um, Everybody, it's not only a cold and wet fast track for one horse, it's a cold, wet, fast track for every horse. Um, So it's the same with this. They're all not running on Lasix. But, you know, as history and science has kind of shown, I think some horses don't react as well uh, to running on Lasix or running off of Lasix as others. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a big factor in a lot of handicapping this year and a big factor in a lot of handicapping going forward and an even bigger factor uh, in horsemanship, to be honest with you. I mean, a lot of a lot of really good old-school horsemen will tell you horses don't have to run on Lasix, um, you know, if they're prepared uh, correctly um, and, and, and properly, uh, they can run off of Lasix. That's kind well, of the pro. Tom- the anti-lasix, you know, movement. Yeah, we could we we could do a whole show on that, but I'm down yeah. to about two minutes per race. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. And let's go. I can talk about every horse in the Pegasus World Cup, so I'll I'll, I'll give you my synopsis real quick. Um, I think I, I'm coming down to to two horses that might be uh, eight on top turning for home, and that's mm-hmm. Nick's Go and Tax. Now, there's a lot mm-hmm. of other. Price horses I want to put underneath, but I'm going to shut up. Those are the two I settled on. So I've settled on number uh, 10, Code of Honor, uh, coming off a good race in the Clark last time. Uh, he's 9-2. to two. He's run well at Gulfstream. Uh, I think Nick's go is probably is definitely the horse to beat. You know, Breeders' Cup, uh, Dirt Mile, he wins by a lot every time. And another horse that I think is has a chance on a price is uh, Jesus' team. I do think he might be on the board. He gets Irad Ortiz. And then watch out for the number one horse, Sleepy Eyes Todd. Yeah, he's an interesting like horse. He's, he's run all over the place. He's kind of a cool throwback kind of horse. But, uh, yeah. you know, he could be a price. He's only 8-1. to one. He gets Jose Ortiz, too. So, Yeah, I mean, 
in, in, the, in the, the, his last starts, he's run at 10 different tracks. Yeah, and quite, great, right? quite frankly, right now, he, he's at the best co- uh, the, the best form of his career. It doesn't matter Absolutely. what track he's at, what jack he's riding him, it doesn't matter. Um, and what we get a chance to come back yeah. to <laughs> you know, so you know, he, he's going he's gonna to be in my exotics, no doubt yeah. about it. Well, we might get a yeah. chance to come back to that, but I don't want to miss any of these top three races. Um, yeah. The Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational, again, a wide, wide open event. Uh, my long shot play in here is going to be Aquaphobia, who's listed at 20 to 1 in the morning line. Just another one, Mike. A maker and his magic. Uh, he takes a claimer and turns the horse into a grade one winner. And I don't think it's because he's using anything that uh, the service or Navarra guys had. And, um, you know, other than that, you know, th- this is next to impossible race to, to handicap. I, I guess if you said, hey, John, here's five bucks, go bet on the horse, I'd probably bet it on Colonel Liam. Yeah, Colonel Liam's probably going to be the favorite, um, you know, and, and probably deservingly so. I mean, three for five, you know, Todd Pletcher, he's one of a couple in here for Todd Pletcher. I actually like um, one of his other horses, Social Paranoia. He's uh, three for four at Gulfstream, comes off a win last time. Luis Saez is going to ride him. Of course, Luis is, uh, you know, tears it up every year down at Gulfstream, especially on the grass down there. He gets some breaking from the outside in here, probably going to be, uh, a pretty decent price, hopefully. Another horse I like as a price is uh, Shug McGahey, one of two one of two horses for uh, for Shug in here, uh, breaking the rules. Um, you know, ha- has had some troubled trips in in some of his starts, including one at Saratoga that I remember watching on uh, Labor Day. But uh, breaking the rules, he's ten to one with uh, Johnny Velasquez, uh, pretty good price. And then even Shug's other horse, North Dakota, uh, might might want yeah. a little bit more distance, but I, I like him in here as well. It's, his form is really improving. Yes, yes. And uh, he's one that will be uh, in my exotics also, no doubt about it. Again, it's a mile three sixteenths on the turf, million dollars up for grabs. And uh, the unique distance of seven furlongs will be uh, featured in the inside information. And three horses coming out of the sugar swirl uh, all could be factors in here because that was a damn close race. Yeah, that is a, it was a really good race. I like one out of the sugar swirl. I like the horse on the very outside, Sound Machine. Um, you know, she had a rough trip in there. She was bumped, uh, had all kinds of trouble. She was breaking from the rail that day. She draws all the way on the outside this time, going that seven furlong distance. Look for her to get kind of a clean trip. She's kind of a stalker type horse. Hopefully she, she can work out a trip in there. She's eight to one on the line. Uh, you know, I had a real hard time with this race. It's a puzzler. Um, you know, they're all really even, you know, like, you know, that's, that's sort of a cliche, I guess to say it's a, it's a wide open race, but you know, if you're really looking for a really balanced kind of race, this is this is the race for you. Well, yeah, you, the, the one thing that kind of pointed me to the horse I liked, and again, who knows what the odds are going to be, but uh, th- this horse finished third in the Sugar Swirl, but uh, a trainer switched to Brad Cox. How oh, powerful yeah. is that? And coming out of an excuse race, I mean, this horse was bumped around a couple times during the sugar swirl and, and just seems to be on, a, on an upward uh, trend right now. Yeah, Cinnabunny, she's, uh, she, she was favored uh, last time, you know, at six to five in there. 
again, she was caught up in a little bit of that trouble that affected uh, Town Machine as well. So maybe look for her to, to work out a trip in here. Um, you know, in the three, Bronx Beauty was second in there and, and, and yeah. kind of had a, a little bit more of an easier go of it uh, coming on the outside at the end. And, you know, she's consistent, consistent as heck. I mean, she runs a race every time. Pimlico, Monmouth Parks, Gulfstream, doesn't really matter. Tony Margotta's done a, a great job with her, and, and she gets Louis Thais as well. She hasn't won yet at Gulfstream, so that's a little bit of a cause for concern. She's over five there. Um, so she's got a big, a big, uh, a big sample. So she's going to need to improve a little bit, but I'm sticking with my horse, uh, Sound Machine. I'm going to put your horse underneath, Cinnabunny. Maybe maybe sprinkle a little bit with uh, Sally's Curlin and Pacific Gale. And some, for hoping for a price. Well, uh, it, it's going to be a very interesting day. Of course, uh, no time to go into the Fred Hooper, the Marshall's River, the La Provente, uh, the W.L. McKnight, um, but. Uh, it's going to be a fun day. Obviously, neither you or I are going to be there, but be, I'll, I'll be uh, flipping channels, watching it on TV, and fitting a little yep. football in at the same time, I think. Yeah, well, well time- actually, we, we, we luck out. There's no football this year on Saturday. So there we get we get all uh, we're make a little college basketball and then uh, do, a little, do a little horse racing all day. Absolutely. Got to love it. Well, listen, uh, so far, I think you had a pretty mild winter up there at Saratoga. So uh, uh, you just keep it, it, enjoy living the lifetime and hopefully sometime not too far away, our paths will cross again and we'll be putting sunscreen on in the Keeneland press box. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope so. I hope so. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Tom Law, the president of the National Turf Writers and Broadcast Association. I want to thank Wendy Davis, the president of the Turf Publicist America. And I want to thank my producer, Josh. I can't tell you his last name. He's in the Victim Witness Program right now. But he is a very good producer uh, in places uh, I cannot disclose. So thank you very much for listening to Winning Ponies. If you like the show, pass it on to your friends. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.